Welcome to the teaching ministry of Stephen Fraser and Life of Faith Bible Church. An outreach dedicated to helping you triumph in every area of life. Now here's Pastor Fraser with today's message. Glory to God forever. How many people know you're living in the last days? We're in the end of the end times. And so who knows whether we'll see these things that we're studying on in the book of Revelation come to pass in our time. But knowing that it is a possibility, it should put the fear of God in us, shouldn't it? I mean, if you think about, you know, the fact that these things could come to pass, I mean, there's enough things going, right, going on right now to indicate that we're right on the threshold of a lot of these things coming to pass in the earth then we know that we need to be living holy lives. We need to fear God. And what do I mean by the, the fear of God? Well, you're afraid to do anything without Him. You're afraid to live life apart from Him. You're afraid of doing things in your own strength. You're afraid of, of building your life on your own understanding. That's, that's that, that, the fear of God causes you to, to just cling to Him and depart from all forms of evil. Because you recognize that you can't go through this evil world without him. You need him. That's the fear of God. Praise God. It's the fear of being without God. It's the fear of not having God in manifestation in your life. We need to have him. So I believe, you know, looking at the signs of the times and getting into this study, we should be growing in the fear of God. Which means how we live our life and how we view life should be changing. Radically. Radically. We shouldn't just be thinking, well, it's just a nine to five life, you know. You're just going to go through the motions. Well, when I retire, well, <laughs> when you retire, you just better be thinking about refire, refire, refire. That's all you better be thinking. Whether you, whether you have secular work or not, refire, refire. That's what, you need to have refire, be refire-minded, not retire-minded. And I'm just going to go ahead and I'm going to sit back and I'm just, no, you're going to rise up, put on the full arm of God and get as many people in the kingdom of God as possible. Walk in the fear of the Lord. Amen. That's how we need to be thinking. That's how we need to be living. Otherwise, we could get caught off guard with the events that could come to pass in our day. Now, we are doing a full study of the book of Revelation from chapter 1 right on through. And so now we are in chapter 15. We wrapped up chapter 13 and 14 last week. And we're going to be talking about the bold judgments. The bold judgments. Are you ready? Say, Lord, show me great and wonderful things that I might fear you more. Hallelujah. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is clean. Fear Lord, you got the fear of the Lord, you'll be clean. It'll keep you clean. And we need to be squeaky clean. So we can stand up just like Jesus did right before his great tribulation came and he went to the cross. He said, the rule of this world is coming. But he's got nothing in me. Oh, I love that. The rule of this world is coming, but he's got nothing in me. He's got no hooks in me. He's got nothing on me. He's got nothing here. He's got nothing to grip onto. 
he tries to grab me, he just slips, slips right off. We need to be able to stand confident and talk that way. Well, the great tribulation's coming. The Antichrist's coming. But he ain't got nothing in me. He's got nothing on me. In other words, you can't touch this. Praise God forever. That needs to be our attitude in these last days. Notice here in chapter 15, verse 1, it says, Then I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues. You know, we get to heaven, we're going to see some great and marvelous things. Hallelujah, just a thought. Seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them the wrath of God is complete. And that's what we see during the time of the great tribulation. We see the wrath of God being poured out in the earth. Now, there are some people that would say, well, we're going to be raptured because, you know, God uh, doesn't want us going through a time of wrath. Bible tells us that we won't go through a time of wrath. Well, let's look at a couple of scriptures. Bible has a lot to say about that, but we'll look at John, the third chapter. John 3, verse 36, where it says, He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. This is Jesus talking. Do you believe in the Son? Then what do you have? He who does not believe in the Son shall not see life, but... The wrath of God abides on him. So if the great tribulation is the time of the wrath of God being poured out, we'll be not one of those that will be experiencing this wrath because we are those who believe in the Son. We believe in the Son. And he says here, it's those who don't believe that will have the wrath of God upon them. Over in Romans chapter 5, in verse 9, it says, Much more than having now been justified by his blood. Have you been justified by the blood of Jesus? His blood was poured out for the forgiveness of our sins, for the cleansing away of all sin from our lives. We've been justified. We've been declared righteous in the sight of God. It's past tense, having been. Having been, having been made righteous in the sight of God. By the blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Notice that. We shall be saved. We shall be saved from wrath. Notice the wrath here is in the future tense. But yet, the being justified by his blood is in the past tense. And so how are we going to be saved from future wrath? Even the wrath of the great tribulation. It's by having been justified through the blood of Jesus. Not any other way. It's the blood of Jesus, not a rapture. But the blood of Jesus that protects us from the wrath that is to come. The blood of Jesus. So if you've been washed... In the blood of Jesus, you have everlasting life, and the wrath of God does not abide on you, but you will be saved from wrath. How are you going to be saved from wrath? 
How God, how's God going to rescue you from the wrath of the great tribulation? Through the blood of Jesus. Through the blood of Jesus. And, and of course, you go back into the days of Moses in, in Egypt. And when that death angel came through there, and all those plagues were poured out on Egypt. And then that last one, you know, the death angel came in there and killed all the firstborn in Egypt. What saved them? Well, they put the blood of a lamb over the doorposts of their house. That was just a type of the blood of Christ. So, so the blood of the lamb rescued them from that tribulation. Somebody says, yeah, but the tribulation, the great tribulation is even greater than the tribulation they experienced back in Exodus. Yeah, but the blood we have under the new covenant is greater than the blood they had under the old covenant. See, we got the blood of Jesus to save us from wrath. Praise God. Verse 2. And I saw something like a sea of glass <clears throat> mingled with fire. And those who have the victory over the beast, over his image, over his mark, and over the number of his name, standing on the sea of glass, having harps of God. So it mentions the things that we studied last time in our previous chapter. The beast, his image, his mark, and his number, 666. The sea, we've talked about several times now, is symbolic of humanity, or we could say the world, the world. The glass here that they're standing on is separating them from the water below them. And, uh, you know, how many of you know if you, you go underwater, that's like going into another whole realm. And so here they are, they're standing on this sea of glass. And this glass is separating them from the underworld, we could say. And how many people know you and I have the Word of God? In fact, Old King James, and talking about where it says, looking into the mirror of His Word, it uses the word glass. Looking into a glass darkly in the uh, Old King James. The word separates us from the underworld, from the, the fallen world, from the demonic world. When we came into the kingdom of God, you and I were separated from the kingdom of darkness. Through faith in the word of God, we were separated from the kingdom of darkness. And it's through the word of God, we're able to separate soul and spirit. We're able, to, we're able to recognize the difference between our soul and our spirit. We're able to recognize what is of this world and what is of God. The word is what separates. The word is what enables us to do that. So here they are. They're standing on this sea of glass. So you got the world. You got the word. It's mingled with fire. And this is the purifying fire of the Holy Spirit. And how many people know we are to spread that fire all over the world? And I believe that's a big part of what's, go what's going to be happening leading into the Great Tribulation and in the beginning parts of the Tribulation is that the gospel, the fire of God, the power of God is going to be going into all the world. Remember, Jesus said the end cannot come until this gospel of the kingdom is preached in all the world. And so here you got folks standing on the sea. Well, they're just like the master. 
They're water walkers. I said they're water walkers just like Jesus. And they have the victory. They have the victory over the beast. What is that? Well, remember, that's the Antichrist. His political system and religious system. Say they didn't fall to that. Lots will. But these water walkers, these people of faith, these people of the word, these people who are spreading the fire of God, these folks overcame the Antichrist. They overcame that political system, the world system, this religious system that he's going to establish. They overcame the image the image, we, look, we talked about this image that everybody was, was worshiping and possibly it might be something like a device that speaks to you and can track you and make sure you're worshiping it when you're supposed to be worshiping it. You know, my phone will tell me how long I've been worshiping, I mean, how long I've been watching it. A little thing will come up and it'll say, you've used the phone X amount of time this week. You've used the phone so much today. It's like, we're missing you. It's letting you know, you haven't used me enough. You haven't looked at me enough. You've looked at the phone this much, and you've actually used the phone this much. That's pretty concerning. When you've got a phone that knows you're, lo- it's lo- you're looking at it. In fact, there's phones now, you just look at it, and it unlocks. It's like, oh, it's you. It recognizes you. I thought, man, recognizing my fingerprint was pretty concerning. But now you just look at the thing. And it opens up and goes, oh, it's, yes, it's you. Technology. Perhaps that's what this image is. But these water walkers, these fire spreaders, these folks overcame it. They didn't fall to it. They weren't controlled by it. That device didn't have their emotions. It didn't control their souls. Their affections weren't all entangled in it. No, their affections were on things above, not on the things of the earth. Perhaps you're one of these water walkers. Perhaps this little snapshot into the, into the future is revealing you. You might be one of them that he's talking about right here. Walking on the sea. Walking above the tribulations of life. Walking in the victory. And then they had their harps, which is, of course, just symbolic of worship, heavenly worship. They were worshiping, worshiping God, not worshiping the image of the beast. And we're training ourselves right now. What, what do we worship? Where's our affections? What kind of music do you like? Just out of curiosity... What, what, what kind of music do you listen to? Do you listen to secular, heathen music? If you do, you might not be standing on the sea in these last days because all that music is filled with a message. Just like the Lord's music is filled with a message. What messages are you listening to? I'll tell you right now, I, my preaching a couple of days a week to you can't compete with you being preached to several hours every day by a bunch of heathens jumping around half naked, full of unclean demons. I can't compete with that. If you're going to fill yourself up with that and then come here in church twice a week, you ain't going to make it. I don't mind telling you that. You're not going to make it. And I don't mind telling you that so that hopefully the fear of God will grip you 
And you get that fixed. Get that fixed. No, we're going to be full of the songs of heaven. Full of the songs of heaven. Full of the worship of God. Verse 3. They sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are your works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the saints. Who shall not fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. For all nations shall come and worship before you, for your judgments have been manifested. Notice, your judgments have been manifested, and they say, who shall not fear you? I mean, to them, it's like, who wouldn't fear God? <laughs> it's, it, it's just like, it doesn't even make sense to them that there are folks running around living their own life in their own strength and not fearing God. doesn't even make sense. And the more you walk with God and look at this world, the more a lot of things in this world don't make any sense to you. It's a scary thing when Christians just fit right into the flow of this world. They just fit right into it. They fit right into it, you know. But it's getting stranger and stranger to me all the time. And you look and say, how can't you fear God? How can't you follow God? How can't you want to know Him? See, the God of this world has blinded people's eyes. And that's why. They can't see. But you and I are renewing our minds with the Word of God, and we're cutting through all that darkness. And we're seeing it. And it's getting clearer and clearer and clearer. It's like, of course we fear God. Who wouldn't, do, who wouldn't fear God? Doesn't it make sense you wouldn't fear God? And like Moses, these water walkers, they have the victory song. The victory song in their hearts, singing to the king. Have you know Moses had a victory song right after he split the Red Sea and came through on dry land. And Pharaoh and his whole army drowned behind him. He had a victory song. You and I got that victory song. In our heart. Can you say amen? Praise God. Verse 5. After these things I looked and behold the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was opened. And out of the temple. Now where's this temple? It's in heaven. Right? And out of the temple came the seven angels having the seven plagues. Clothed in pure bright linen and having their chests girded. With golden bands. Now notice this. These angels came out of the temple. Where's the temple? And what did these angels have? Plagues. Are there plagues in heaven? If you go to heaven, is there going to be places up there where there's plagues? Curses. Sickness, disease, poverty. Well, you're all saying no, but the Bible says there were seven angels that came out of the temple of heaven. They came out of the temple of heaven having the seven plagues. So I'm going to ask you one more time, give you a chance to redeem yourselves. Are there plagues in heaven? Wow, you guys are... Really, really anchored in what you believe. 
Let's see if it's true or not. Verse 7. Then one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls full of the wrath of God who lives forever and ever. The temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power. And no one was able to enter the temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels were completed. Notice this. What was the temple filled with? The glory. The glory of God. It was filled with smoke from the glory of God. And notice, these angels were given these bowls, these golden bowls full of the wrath of God. Now, last time we talked about bowls was back over in chapter 5. And in verse 8, where it says, Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of the wrath of God. Is that what it says? No. Full of incense which are the prayers of the saints. So here you have this incense, you have prayers, you have worship, and that is what is in these golden bowls. But when we come on over to chapter 15, these bowls, these golden bowls, are full of the wrath of God. How do you... Make sense of these things. It's really quite simple. Our prayers. Our prayers for God to move. Our prayers for God to deliver. Our prayers for God to intervene. Are a blessing to us. When they're answered, aren't they? But they're a curse to those who would try and stand in the way. Of those prayers being answered. It's a curse. If you get in the way of the prayers of the saints. You're getting in the way of the glory of God. You're getting in the way of the manifested awesomeness of the Almighty. It's not a smart move. To jump in front of God and say, no, you're not coming in here. When he's coming in. When the king of glory is coming in. You don't want to stand in his way. See even the demons knew better. I'm telling you there's a lot of demons that are a whole lot smarter than humans. Because when Jesus was walking a certain way. And these demons recognized they were in his path. They went ah! They cried out. And were shortly thereafter cast out. But they got out of his way, didn't they? They they got out of his way. But you see, humans have no getting out of the way sense about them. 
And you see that, you know, you see demons crying out saying, what have we to do with you? I mean, Lord, have you come to torment us before the time? But then you see humans like the Pharisees and the Sadducees, man, they're just pressing in, going after him, just going after him to kill him. See, they just had no sense about it. Well, you get in the way of the king of glory, you're going to bring destruction on yourself. So what is coming as a blessing will be a curse to the one that jumps in front of it and tries to stop it. To the people that get in its way. And there's going to be a lot of people getting in the way of the glory of God in these last days. A lot of folks getting in the way. They're going to refuse to repent. They're going to refuse to accept you, accept your faith. They're going to persecute you. They're going to attack you. They're going to come against the church. And in doing so, they're coming against a move of God. And it's like a semi-truck moving at a very, very high speed. And to jump out in front of it is a good way of getting yourself run over. And so that is what we're seeing. We're seeing the glory of God in heaven, in his temple. We're seeing the prayers of the saints, things that are a blessing to us, but are a curse to those that would try to resist it and even stand against it. Micah chapter 2 verse 7 says this. You who are named the house of Jacob. Is the spirit of the Lord restricted? Is the spirit of the Lord restricted? Are these his doings? Do not my words do good to him who walks uprightly? God's word, we love God's word. It does good to you and I. Because we desire to walk uprightly. But notice, it does good to those who walk uprightly. Not to everybody. Not to everybody. The Amplified Classic says it this way. O house of Jacob... Shall it be said, is the spirit of the Lord restricted, impatient, and shortened? Or are these prophesied plagues his doings? Do not my words do good to him who walks uprightly? See, you know, God's not in the business of creating plagues. God is not wanting to bring plagues on anyone. God's just simply being good. He's being the God that he is, and he's just coming with his goodness, with his manifested awesomeness. He's just coming with blessing. That's what he's coming with. But you see, there's folks that are not walking uprightly, that are walking contrary to him, and they're they're turning his blessing into a curse. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 15 declares, For we are to God the fragrance of Christ. That's, That's what we are. To God, we're the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one, we are the aroma of death leading to death. And to the other... The aroma of life leading to life. And who is sufficient for these things. Notice what he's saying here. He's saying, when you walk in the room, 
to some people, it's the fragrance of life. You bring life to them. You're, car- you're carriers of life. You're carriers of the glory of God. When you get near them, uh, they're blessed. You smell good. But then there's those, you smell like death. You smell like something terrible. You appear to be something awful to them. Something that they despise. Something that they hate. Why do, why do people hate Christians? Why do people despise and hate Christians? Because they have no heart for the truth. And therefore will experience eternal damnation. And you are bringing that reality to them. And that's not a fun thing. You're not making people feel good when you show up. Because you're showing them where they're going. You're showing them that they're damned. They're damned. They're destined to die an eternal death. To suffer torment forever. So do you want to be friends with somebody like that? That walks around and is reminding you of how you're going to die? No. And so you won't be liked. But you see... That fragrance is Christ. That fragrance is, is the anointed one. The fragrance is the glory of God, God's presence. It's a blessing to some, but it's death to others. It's life to one, but it's death to the other. When the glory of God came to deliver the children of Israel, it was, it was a, a cloud of fire and light to them. that enabled them to be able to see where they were going, but it blinded the Egyptians. It was dark. The same glory cloud. It was a cloud of darkness to them. It was a cloud of light to one, but a cloud of darkness to the other. And you think about light, you know. Light, light is great, but, you know, light can be so bright in your face, you cannot see. You cannot see. It's like darkness. You can't see because of the brightness of the light. God's light is light and will show, show the way for those that believe in it and embrace it and receive it, but it will be blinding and darkness to those that reject it. So you actually blind people and make people even more ignorant when you walk in the light. But don't feel bad about it. That's just the way it is. That's just the way it is. Their choice. They've chosen darkness. They've chosen death. They've chosen to reject the Lord. So it's very important to understand this. Because some people think, see, God, he's making up all these sicknesses and diseases and he's hurling them to the earth and afflicting people. <laughs> he's like the, like the mad doctor, the mad scientist, you know, sticking people with... No, that's not God. That's not how he works. He makes his reign of goodness come down on the just and on the unjust. It's just that the unjust, in many cases, it's like acid rain to them. It burns them. Kind of like the wicked witch of the West. Water's a blessing, and that's a refreshing thing. But if you're the wicked witch, it melts you. Right? (laughs) So do you understand that? This is a big reason why there'll be a tribulation. Because of the level of glory that is coming to the earth. This level of glory that is coming into the earth is going to be 
just so awesome. You and I, man, I'm telling you, we're gonna, we, we got some great times up ahead. I believe that. I really do. I see it all over the scriptures. But as people harden their heart to the glory, that glorious glory, as they harden their hearts to it and become obstinate and rebellious, they turn against it and they blaspheme it and they mock it, they'll turn that glory into a plague in their life. And so thus, there'll be plagues breaking out everywhere. It will affect the very planet. That's where a lot of these plagues are coming from. It's because of the great glory that's coming. That's meant to be a blessing. It's meant to be a blessing. Chapter 16, verse 1. Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, Go and pour out the bowls of the wrath of God on the earth. See, that's the perspective now. Bowls of wrath. But for us, they're bowls of blessing. We've escaped wrath. It's bowls of blessing. But bowls of wrath to those that are not walking with God or walking against God. So the first went and poured out his bowl upon the earth. That's revival, man. That's a move of God for us. And a foul and loathsome sore came upon the men who had the mark of the beast. And those who worship, worshipped his image. Notice that. This loathsome sore, this foul sore appeared on them like a cancerous sore. Came upon their bodies. While you and I are being blessed. In the glory. See, I'm reminded over in 1 Samuel chapter 5 when the ark, which represented the glory of God, was captured by this exceedingly sinful group of people known as the Philistines. They were idol worshipers, blasphemers of God, enemies of God. And, but they captured the ark. And so they took the ark and they brought it into their temple of their idols. And they had this one idol called Dagon. Dagon was sitting there, you know, all, all erect like that, you know. And they came in, they put the ark right next to it, and they thought, you know, now we've got another God in our temple. You know, the God of the Israelites. We'll use him in our temple. He's a powerful God. And so the next day they came, and Dagon had fallen down. He had fallen down. And he, was, he had fallen down before the ark. Don't you love God? God's got a sense of humor. He's like... These are ignorant people. So he's, he's having mercy. He's trying to get a little message here, guys. But they don't get it. They don't get it. So they take, their, they take Dag on. They, sit, they put him back up. You know. and, and, then, and then the next day, they came out there, and Dag on again had fallen down. And this time, uh, he had broken in, in several different places before the ark. And they came in. They were like, Dag on it. They thought, what? What is going on? Well, they still didn't get the message. They probably got some glue out and tried to put Dagon back together again. And the next thing that happened was the bubonic plague or something broke out. And they all started getting tumors. Tumors started growing on their bodies. Sores started breaking out on their bodies. Now, why was this? It's because when the atmosphere of heaven meets the atmosphere of hell and sin, 
it destroys. Remember, the anointing, the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 10, that the anointing destroys the yoke and removes the burden. That's what the, that's what the anointing does. It destroys the yoke and removes the burden. Well, man, this is the anointing of God. This is the glory of God. And what does it do? It destroys yokes. So, so if you're going to be a yoke, if you're going to be a yoke, so you don't want to get in the presence of that glory and be a yoke. Like Ananias and Sapphira. They were a yoke. And they were standing in that atmosphere and just standing in that atmosphere lying to the Holy Spirit. There was so much glory that was manifest in that day that they, they just dropped dead immediately. They couldn't stand in that presence. Just like, so here you got the Philistines and they got these tumors breaking out in the body and they realized, man, this, this ark, he's a holy God. He, we, we, we can't live up to this standard to, of holiness. Get this thing out of here. Sadly, that's how a lot of people are today. Thank God through the blood of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can live up to God's standard of holiness. We can do it. We can do it because we have the Holy Spirit himself living in us. And so, but then, so they sent the ark back. And so David, he, he, he heard about the ark and he went out to go get it. And so he had a big party and they went out there and they were all celebrating. But there was a certain way that they were supposed to conduct themselves in the presence of that ark. God had given instructions through Moses. This is how you carry the ark. This is how you handle my glory. Well, they just didn't pay any attention to that. You know, they're just excited about, who we got the glory of God, hallelujah. And they brought out all the secular musicians and they all started playing a lot of hip-hop and things and they were having church, having church. They were bringing the ark on a cart rather than it being carried by the priests on poles. And, and the oxen that were pulling the cart stumbled. And so this man named Uzzah, he reached out just to steady the ark and when he did, he dropped dead immediately. Because of his irreverent act. You see, it wasn't, it wasn't because God deliberately wanted to kill him. It would be like you climbing the fence of an LG&E, an electrical facility, and you got all this stuff, high voltage, high voltage everywhere, and you just decide you're going to climb in there and start touching stuff. Having no respect for that power. Say, Electricity. electricity. What's that to me? I hear it's a big deal. Not a big deal to me. Until you touch it. Irreverently. See, you got to handle yourself with, with rubber gloves. There's a certain way that you handle electricity. True? How much more the glory of God? How much more the glory of God? So, Whenever anyone was irreverent to the glory of God, they were struck dead. Not because God wanted to kill them. It's because they just could not stand in the presence of a holy God under those conditions. Couldn't do it. Can't do it. Can't do it. That's why you could never have gone to heaven by your works. There's no way. Could you imagine? We're talking about heaven. We're talking about a great marvelous place. You would never have gotten in there. I'm a good person, and you know, I've done a lot of good deeds and things like that. No, 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 no. You'd be instant fried potato. You understand? Instant fried potato. Now, you, do it, you wouldn't make it to heaven. When, when Lucifer rebelled and he was leading a rebellion into heaven, I mean, man, did he get whacked. He, he felt the voltage. He felt the voltage. Jesus said, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. I mean, he hit the earth like a huge meteor. Just slammed into this planet. Him and his angels with him. 
So why? Because they had sin in their hearts, and now they thought they were going to enter into heaven. And now, look at them. Now they're, they're grotesque creatures. Grotesque creatures. Totally deformed. But they were one time the most, some of the most beautiful creatures in all creation. Lucifer was known for his beauty. Now he's a horror to look at. Why? Well, he hung on, he, he laid hold of the voltage of heaven, and it destroyed him, consumed him on the earth. Can you say amen? So we understand what's happening here. We understand all these things that are taking place. Verse 3. Then the second angel poured out his bowl on the sea, and it became blood as if a dead man, as of a dead man, and every living creature in the sea died. Now, we've, we've heard this before, haven't we? In fact, look at verse 4. Then the third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and springs of water, and they became blood. Now, this is interesting. This is the second and third bowl, and it's pretty much almost completely identical with the second and third trumpets that we read about over in Revelation chapter 8. See, because like I told you, a lot of these things are repeating. The bowl is repeating the trumpets, which is repeating the seals, because they're all the same thing from different perspectives. And you see that. You see that here. If you go back and look at the second and third trumpets, you'll see it's almost identical to the second and third trumpets. Bold judgments. Verse 5. And I heard the angel of the waters saying, You are righteous, O Lord, the one who is and who, who, who was and who, is to, and who is to be, because you have judged these things. For they have shed the blood of the saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink. So that lets us know again. What will be taking place during the Great Tribulation, that there will be a, a lot of saints, a lot of prophets, a lot of men and women of God that will be martyred. And um, we've got to learn not to be afraid of that. Because being martyred means great rewards in heaven. For it is their due, verse 7, and I heard another from the altar saying, Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. Again, what, what are his judgments? What are his judgments? What is, what is happening here? What is happening to these people? They are simply reaping what they have sown. And that's what judgment is. You sow to the flesh, you reap corruption. Judgment is simply reaping what you've sown. Mercy is you not getting what you deserve. You're not reaping what you've sown. Thank God, through Jesus, we don't have to reap a lot of what we've sown. Because Jesus not only took our sin, but he took the consequences of our sins. He redeemed us from the curse of the law, which is the curse of the plagues that come on people for their sins. But we got mercy and not judgment. We cling to his mercy. Right? We cling to his mercy. And so, you know, he's saying, you know, Lord, you're just, your judgments are true. I mean, people basically, they've reaped what, they, they've sowed blood, and look, they're reaping blood. That's, I mean, that's, that's, they're just getting what they sowed, and that's judgment. Again, it's not God's hand coming down on people. It's not. It's God's, if anything, it's God's hand coming off of people. It's God, his, God's merciful hand being taken away, leaving nothing but judgment. In other words, leaving you with nothing but 
the consequences of your act of your sins. Verse five, or verse eight. Then the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and power was given to him to scorch men with fire. And men were scorched with great heat, and they blasphemed the name of God who has power over these plagues, and they did not repent and give him glory. That's the problem. They're being obstinate. They're standing against the glory of God. They're not repenting. And so here, the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun. Now, that's interesting because, again, the fourth trumpet, it says a third of the sun was struck. And the result of that wasn't men being scorched, but was darkness. And as I meditated on these two things, what came to me was if, if something struck the sun that maybe would cause something like a solar flare. You ever hear of a solar flare? A solar flare is a tidal wave of high energy radiation being released from the sun. And they can turn into super flares. There could be super flares. And anyway, the sun can do things. They know this now, that the sun can have these flare-ups where it literally can knock out the power grid in different places, even in the whole world. And I was looking, I was looking into this a little bit. There was a place, I think, back in 2012... I can't think of the country, but they had one of these solar flares and it wiped out their entire power grid for quite a while. It took them a while to, to get it back up and running. And so, you know, we could have one. They said there was one, I believe it was in 2018, that they said almost hit the earth. It was one of these, one of these super solar storms. It almost hit the earth, and they said if it did, it would have knocked out the power throughout the whole world and just destroyed electronic devices all over the world. Well, you think about the world we live in today. If something like that was to happen today, now that happened 100 years ago, maybe you know, 200 years ago, no big deal. You wouldn't even really recognize it. But if it happened today, it would shut down everything. I mean, it would affect you know, the supply chain of being able to get food places and communication and navigation. It would just shut everything down. Cause all, all, kinds of, all kinds of problems which would cause famine and all kinds of devastation in the earth. So I believe very possibly that's what he's talking about here. Where something happens to the sun which, in, which causes darkness, blackouts over the entire earth which leads to more, more catastrophes. They say there's a 50-50 chance in the next 50 years of that happening. Where you have a worldwide catastrophic event. This knocks out the power grid all over the earth. Could happen. And so verse 10, it says, Then the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and his kingdom became full of darkness... And they gnawed their tongues because of the pain. They blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores. And did not repent of their deeds. If they repented, then the glory could heal them. 
rather than cause them to be afflicted like this. But again, this is the fifth angel. When this bowl was was poured out on the throne of the beast, his kingdom became full of darkness. Well, the fifth trumpet. In Revelation 9-2, it says, So the sun and the air were darkened because of the smoke of the pit. Remember, that pit was opened up. And there was this demonic atmosphere, this darkness that covered the earth. And, uh, and so, again, I, you see the similarities here. This is something very demonic taking place in the earth. Verse 12, Then the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates, and its waters was dried up, so that the way of the kings from the east might be prepared. Well, what are these kings of the east? Well, there's lots of different scriptures to look at. Ezekiel 38 prophesied concerning an alliance between uh, Russia and possibly China. And it's already happening right now where they are forming an alliance. You see that coming together in the earth right now. So Ezekiel 38 talks about it. Isaiah 23 says that the kings of the east will form a trade alliance with an end-time German-led European superpower, and uh, it'll be short-lived. Then Daniel chapter 11, verse 40, through verse 45, says that once the king of the north destroys the king of the south, it will be troubled by tidings out of the east. So again, that's the kings of the east that we're seeing here in chapter 16. And Revelation 9, which we've already looked at, shows that Altogether, the kings of the east will amass an army of 200 million soldiers. Remember, we looked at that. Verse 13. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon. Who's the dragon? Satan's the dragon. So I see uh, these three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast... And out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are the spirits of demons. That's what these frogs are. The spirit of demons performing signs. Which go out to the kings of the earth. And of the whole world. To gather them to the battle of the great day of God almighty. So you got these demons. These powerful demons being released upon the earth in these last days, and they're full of lying signs and wonders. And notice, uh, they look like frogs to John. When John sees this in the vision, they look like frogs to him. And you think about frogs, you know, why would, why would it use frogs here? Well, how do frogs catch their prey? With their tongues. With their tongues. That's how they catch their prey. So these are lying demons that will perform a series of impressive miracles in these last days. Through their tongues, through their speech, through their speaking, they will take people captive, make people their prey. Verse 15, Behold, I'm coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked, and they see his shame. We're not to be walking spiritually naked. There's clothing that the Lord Jesus has provided for us. We might need to make sure we keep our clothes on. The devil's always going to try to strip you of, of course, the armor of God. 
But he's also going to try to get you to take off your garments of salvation. The Bible talks about in Isaiah chapter 61, verse 10. It says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. For he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. Are you dressed tonight? The garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments, as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. Man, the Lord wants to adorn you with all kinds of precious jewels, spiritual jewels, all kinds of wisdom and revelation. Remember, he says it's not right to give, uh, to cast your pearls before swine. Well, he wasn't talking about literal pearls, and he wasn't talking about literal swine. He was talking about his precious things, revelation, truths. And the, and the swine were people that had no heart for it. No heart for it. He said, it's not right to cast pearls before swine. Man, the Lord wants to deck you with jewelry. He, he wants you to have your robe. He doesn't just want you to have garments. He wants you to have a robe over those garments, man. He wants you to have all kinds of fine jewelry on. Hey, bad. He wants you glistening with his glory. Full of revelation of him. Walking around like you own the place. You know, that's how the Lucifer was described over in Isaiah 14 or Ezekiel 20. Uh, what was it? Ezekiel uh, 29. Where he was clothed with every kind of precious stone. And every kind of precious stone was his covering. And it begins to name all these, all these precious stones. See, he was just full of wisdom. And they were like precious stones in the spirit. So as you, get, as you get full of wisdom, man, you become like a treasure chest. You get decked out. Praise God. Some of us, some of us look like Mr. T in the spirit. <laughs> Anybody remember Mr. T? Gold chains. He wore these gold chains, big rings. <laughs> I pity the fool. I pity the fool. I pity the fool. He got saved, praise God. Mr. T, you know he got saved? He got, he got fired up for God. Thank God he made it in. Anyway. The Lord said to me years back, he said, if you, try to, if you try to impress, you spiritually undress. If you try to impress. See, there's things we could do to undress ourselves. Undress ourselves of his righteousness. And we could put on pride. But the Bible says to be clothed with humility. Be clothed with humility. We don't want to be clothed with pride. We don't want to be clothed with any of the devil's muck. Right? His rags. His filthy rags. The Bible says your righteousness is his filthy rags. We don't want to be dressed in filthy rags. We want to be clothed with his robe of righteousness. Can you say amen? Verse 16. And they gathered them together to the place called in Hebrew Armageddon. Where is that? That's a place. It's in northern Israel. It's in northern Israel. So we know there's going to be this great battle in northern Israel in these last days. Verse 17. Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air and a loud voice came out of the temple of heaven from the throne saying, It is done. And there were noises and thunderings and lightnings. And there was a great earthquake. Such a mighty and great earthquake as had not occurred since men were on the earth. Again, this is the seventh angel. It is done. You go back to the seventh trumpet. It's done, right? 
It's the end. It's the conclusion of the great tribulation. And again, what does it describe here? It describes in verse 18, noises, thunderings, and lightnings, an earthquake. Go back to Revelation chapter 9. That's exactly what came down on Mount Sinai in the sight of the children of Israel when the glory of the Lord appeared to them. So here we see again the glory of the Lord at the end of the tribulation. We see his glory. It's really his glory all the way through it, but because of men's hard hearts, it becomes plagues. It manifests in a lot of places as plagues. But you and I are going to continue to walk in the glory of God. Can you say amen? Unless, of course, you're called to lay down your life for the Lord, and then you would lay it down gladly. Verse 19, now the great city was divided into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell. And great Babylon was remembered before God to give her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. Uh, In Revelation chapter 11, verse 8, Jerusalem is referred to as the great city, but also Revelation 14, 8 refers to Babylon as that great city. It says in verse 8, and another angel followed saying, Babylon has fallen, it's fallen, that great city. And so I believe here it is talking about Babylon. Babylon, you say, what is Babylon? Stay tuned. Stay tuned. That'll be in the next chapter. Closing out this chapter, verse 20 then every island fled away, and the mountains were not found. Well, that's just like we saw with the sixth seal in Revelation chapter 6, verse 14. It says, Then the sky receded as a scroll when it is rolled up, and every mountain and island was moved out of its place. We were talking about nuclear war. And so, again, it's mentioning that here uh, at the end of the seven bold judgments. Verse 21, and great hail from heaven fell upon men. Each hail stood about the weight of a talent. Men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail since that plague was exceedingly great. Just like the children of Israel witnessed over there in Egypt in the days of Moses. Hail came down, destroyed the crops, killed people, killed animals that were out in the field. And so it shall be at the end. Can you say amen? Praise God. Next time, Lord willing, we'll come together. We'll talk about the scarlet woman and the scarlet beast and get over here into Babylon, the great city. Can you say amen? Praise God. Why don't we stand on our feet? Let's thank the Lord. That concludes this message. For more information about Life of Faith Bible Church or Stephen Fraser Ministries, go to our website at lofbc.org. While you're there, be sure to check out the many other teaching series and books by Stephen Fraser. That website again is lofbc.org. And you can always call 888-542-2555. We trust today's message has encouraged your faith and strengthened your spirit to live the victorious life. And until next time, remember, we always triumph and we always win.